two lovers meet in a butterfly garden at midnight. Like a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, romance becomes murder, and one partner is left to die in a puddle of blood and crushed flower petals. Before their consciousness drifts away, the victim nabs a nearby lepidopteran and clutches it to their chest. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Conan, episode 12, episode 13 of Case Closed in the U.S., Ayumi-chan kidnapping case. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I received a $20 bill slipped in the mail this morning with a note asking me not to write a joke for my introduction. So I didn't. 20 bucks well spent. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, the episode that we're watching today is episode 13 of Case Closed, Kidnapped Amy, which is how you'll find it on Crunchyroll. We are now at the point where the these episodes have different numbers in Japan and different numbers in the US. Yay us. Who thought that was a good idea? Who thought, let's just desynchronize the episode count? Funimation? Question mm. mark? Anyway, you don't have to watch the episode to enjoy listening to the podcast. There's not too much to spoil in this one, but um, it's a fun ride. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. This isn't anime related today, but you were almost not prepared to record today's episode on time, which sounds like I'm shaming you, but I was just trying to get to a topic of conversation. What were you so busy doing this morning well, that we you were couldn't watch an episode of anime? Trying to solve that damn puzzle, that puzzle hunt we're working on with the, the, the different cities and the direction they're pointing. It's very frustrating. <laughs> First, we had to identify nine different cities just based on like a 3D Google photo. Like a, a, a overhead view of them, yeah. And then we were trying to figure out like which one, what directions they are in relation to each other. And yeah, Michael gets out a map with thumbtacks and string. I, I wish I had a map like that. It would probably be easier if I did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michael, what have you got for us today? Uh, well, there wasn't a whole lot uh, going on in terms of like, ooh, fun cultural bits, except for like one maybe little thing that I can't really talk about because spoilers. Oh, wow. So instead, Secrets. Uh, we did get this very random insert song uh, at one random point when they were being like kind of weirdly schmoopy, but one of them's an adult, one of them's a child. So like, that's weird. Uh, I'm sure we'll get we'll point it out when we get there. But the name of the song is Sobani Irukara or Because I'm With You or Because I'm By Your Side. And it's just the other song from the single released by the Hilos along with Mune ga Doki Doki Date. Is it just Mune ga Doki Doki? Yeah, the current opening theme. I think they just wanted to use it. It stands out so much when it happens, so I imagine we'll talk about it more. Because it's weird. It's pretty unusual <laughs> for like um, just a random song to play during a regular episode of this. They mm -hmm. have their like few songs that they cycle through. Yeah. All right. Should we see who our mystery guest is today? Okay. I have not opened my eyes this entire time, so I can't wait for you to tell well, me. Well, I also put a blindfold on you. Yep. And I don't and know if you can untie that while I'm in the other room. You also turned off all the lights in the room and put duct tape over the camera on my, on my laptop. <laughs> wait, how would turning off the lights... If it's a computer, anyway. <laughs> Let's not distract from the fact that we have a great guest today that we're both excited to talk about. and um... But only about, not with. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I'm trying to introduce our guest so that sh she could speak. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's find out who this is. Uh, let's see if you can crack the code. Our guest this episode is a comedian whose only project and affiliation at the time of recording is her baby. Can't argue with that. She's a lifelong roller skater, and one time she solved the mystery of the bloodstained apartment. I've cracked the case. It's Fran Fortunato. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So we're, we're all excited because Bloodstained Apartment, I want to know what's going on with that. Yeah, that sounds creepy. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> First, we just got to ask you some things. Anime. Yes. What kind of anime do you watch? How much have you seen? Give us the scoop. So I have seen a lot of Dragon Ball. Can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, right. My uh, my fiance is a big fan of Dragon Ball, and so I have seen a lot of that. I've watched Broly like I don't even know how many times. I fell asleep for the first time, so then now he makes me watch it a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I Dragon Ball is pretty much all that I've watched, but I have watched a lot of it, but kind of like in and out, and that's my whole experience with anime. So is your fiance just into Dragon Ball or does, does he do other anime? Pretty much, pretty much uh, exclusively <laughs> Dragon Ball. He, he like he has friends who are very into anime and they always make recommendations to him and he says he's <laughs> going to watch them and then he doesn't. So it's pretty much just Dragon Ball. But that's Ball. like a good thing because like if he starts watching One Piece with a thousand episodes and then you have to watch a thousand episodes of that. That's mm-hmm. true. It's a lot. Anime is a lot. <laughs> hot take <laughs> not, not in a bad way it's just a lot I feel like you have to be very very into it it's not something you can just like jump into it depends show to show what do you think Michael uh, for certain things certainly I, I feel like you could just watch like a lot of the things that air from season to season are like 12 or 13 episodes long so it's definitely a shorter investment uh, if you're comparing it to like Dragon Ball or One Piece the very long boys uh, not everything's yeah. that long <laughs> or has like 20 movies surrounding it yeah. Favorite things about Dragon Ball? Least favorite things about Dragon Ball? Okay, so favorite, I like, it has like a very interesting story, I feel like. I really like the the background story. I like the fighting as well, because um, I'm quite into fighting and violence, I guess, as awful as that sounds. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's pretty cool. It's interesting. It's fun to watch. It's just really weird. There's a lot of very weird stuff. Some of it's super problematic, so it, I don't like that there's like one character who is a pervert and that's his whole thing and that makes me super uncomfortable mm-hmm. there's a lot of cringy stuff but overall yeah i enjoy watching it mostly that is one thing about anime it's not just dragon ball <laughs> yeah no that's in my notes from this episode for sure <laughs> yeah this episode wasn't too bad but a moment or two for sure so let's turn our attention to the other other half of our show here and talk about murder mysteries and mysteries in general do you watch any mystery TV shows, read books, listen to podcasts? I don't know, get mystery temporary tattoos? <laughs> no, but I'm going to start with that last one. That's my new thing now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm super into mysteries and murder mysteries and stuff. Um, I watch pretty much any like psychological thriller slash mystery thing that comes up on Netflix. Um, super into those. I listen to more like spooky podcasts, not so much like mystery, but just kind of like creepy, spooky type of things. Um, but I'm I'm very interested in all of that kind of stuff. I love like unsolved mysteries. What's the most recent thing that's come up on Netflix? I've recently got very into The Sinner. It's a very good show. It's great. It's like three seasons and they have all different um, like mysteries each season and uh i think it's michael douglas is like the main detective in each season but it's like revolving around a different case it's very good i'd recommend it neat 
Lots of twists. <laughs> Speaking of twists, do I have another follow-up question? <laughs> what about books? Do you ever do? Do you ever read mystery novels? Not really. I mean, again, I'm more into like horror and spooky kind of stuff. So I do. I read a lot of um, like scarier type of books that sometimes have like elements of mystery, but not. I don't read a whole lot of mystery books. Taking these two ingredients and mix them together and into a delicious and healthy smoothie. Have you ever seen Detective? Smoothies aren't healthy. That's a lie from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like this is the first episode of like a detective or mystery anime that you've seen. Yes, one hundred percent. Awesome. Well, this I th- I think it was a lot of fun. Not the biggest mystery, but we'll see. It, yeah, I, it was a lot of fun to watch. I was very surprised. So it was a good mystery <laughs> to me. Awesome. Let's start talking about that. But first, Michael, what do we need to know about Detective Conan before we do that? Sure. So Detective Conan are the uh, various escapades, escapades, anyway, of Detective Conan, who is actually uh, the high school detective Shinichi Kudo, who once, when uh, watching a mysterious deal go down, got attacked and forced to take a poison, which turned him into a child. Uh, He now lives with his uh, high school sweetheart, Ron, and her detective father, in an effort to find the villains who turned him into a child. Meanwhile, solving lots of mysteries. And um, we tried something new this week, which is that I sent, I in the stuff I sent to Fran before recording, I included like a little bit context? of context, a little bit of context, <laughs> uh, because we were finding the like little opening narration was still confusing people. So I don't know. Did you have any further like basic premise questions or was it mostly? Yeah, it made sense. It was super helpful that you sent me that because I would not have known what was going on otherwise, <laughs> even with the intro, because they go through it really quickly in anime, I yeah. feel like, or maybe just in this one particularly. So yeah, I don't really have any questions. It was uh, pretty clear. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it was pretty clear what was happening. And it's great. Now you get to like, you know, sound... Very confident and knowledgeable compared to previous guests who had to ask lots of questions. But no, definitely ask questions and stuff. So if you've watched lots of episodes of Dragon Ball, do you two usually, I guess this might be your preference or your fiance's preference, do you usually watch the opening song every time or do you fast forward through it? Yes, we watch it every time because he loves it. And then we also listen to it like in the car and like, (laughs) yeah, he loves it. We could not fast forward through that. Well, what did you think of this opening song? I liked it. So the I find, and in Dragon Ball 2, I find like the whatever's happening, like the background animation over the song, I just find myself paying attention more to that than anything because it is out there. And maybe some of it goes with having seen the show before, but it was it was fun to watch. It was a trip. But I liked the song. It was catchy. It was very catchy. Any specific things you noticed, like visuals or lyrics? Yeah. So, I mean, the lyrics, it's hard when you're watching something that is uh, not dubbed. So it's, there's like a disconnect, I feel like with the translation. So some of it, I forget some of the particulars, but I remember reading it and being like, oh, that's a weird, weird thing to say. I wonder if that comes back in the show and it didn't. So there was a lot of that. Um, The visuals, there was like a scary man in the beginning that like, boxed his ears while he was a kid it almost looked like he was giving him like a noogie but on his ears it was very weird to watch that stood out to me a lot <laughs> that is mori kogoro the uh, main incompetent detective that he follows around oh and who who physically vi- like violences him like fairly frequently this brings me to the one thing i did forget to 
potentially tell you. Did you watch the post credit scene? No, I didn't realize there was a post credit scene. Ah, yeah, oh, I, didn't, yep. I didn't tell you oh, man. this week. So he appeared in that, but uh, we'll fill you in on that. It's a nice little button for the plot of the episode. Cool. Mm. Yeah, the opening song is pretty fun, and it brings us right to the start of this episode, which is a, a bit of a silly fake out because Conan is walking around and like deducing the solution to a crime. He's like, there's no such thing as a perfect crime. And he presents three mistakes that the culprit has made. He's standing outside a trash can in a park. And the mistakes are like that there's cans scattered outside the trash can. So something's inside. Your ice cream bar is nearby just lying on the floor where you dropped it. And the last one is I can see your big butt in the recycling bin, Genta. So he is playing hide and go seek with his three actual children friends. The one of them, Genta, whose main trait is liking food, such as that ice cream cone, is hiding in the recycling bin where like all the cans have been displaced from. And he's definitely got like sticky drink remnants all over him now. Oh, because yeah, that's pretty a dramatic hiding spot. Yeah. Also not good. <laughs> it was a see-through trash can. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, like the like the uh wiry ones. Yeah. Which I don't know if I've ever seen in reality, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How did this opening land for everyone? I enjoyed that. I liked finding out that they were just playing hide and seek. I was like, oh, this is going to be cute and fun and family friendly. And as I'm sure we'll discuss later, (laughs) takes a turn. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gets dark. If uh, the idea of children in danger makes you uncomfortable, it frequently happens on this show to some degree. This is a good time to start talking about gadgets because there's two new gadgets introduced in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're using one as part of their hide and seek game, the Detective Boys badges. Mm-hmm. Which, like, very cool in a pre-cell phone world where <laughs> otherwise they can actually just communicate whenever they want. <laughs> this episode originally aired in 1996. Okay, I was going to ask that. That makes sense. <laughs> we on our podcast skipped episode four, which is where they came up with the name The Detective Boys. I think we've mentioned that the the his three friends, Genta, Yumi, and Mitsuhiko, are like excited about being detectives with him. So they came up with this and kind of forced him to be in the detective boys with them. Mm-hmm. But what are the what are these new badges? How do they work and what do they do? They're yeah, they're just like little walkie-talkies. But apparently they have a pretty long range, like 20 kilometers. Yeah. From a technological standpoint, they're like very small. They're, they have a 20 kilometer radius, which is pretty big for like a radio that's like this big. And also they just seem to run them constantly. It's like, what is the power source for these in 1993? You can't get a lithium ion that works this well now. <laughs> Where's the charge port? Like, what, what's the deal with the, po- with the power situation? That's what makes them super special gadgets designed by them from the professor who we see just in this episode in the gadget flashbacks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot that I I feel like I was kind of overthinking. And then I was like, I'm just going to have fun with this because nothing (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of coincidence in this episode in addition to just the silliness of the premise and some of the things like that. Mm -hmm. They all are like kind of, they're not, they're miffed by Conan being it because he's just too good and... He, on the other hand, is like not thrilled about playing games with children. Yeah, he has this moment where he's like, why do I put myself through this? It's like, yes, why do you? You could just go somewhere else if you don't want to play with children. Like, you're doing this on purpose. I think he enjoys being (laughs) smarter than them and having a captive audience. Like, he says he's not thrilled about it, but he clearly enjoyed catching Genta in that trash can. 
Yeah, he seems a little bit uh, full of himself. I also love that he kept saying, like, I don't want to play with children or whatever. And you could tell he was bummed about it. But, like, he's a child, right? He's a high school student. Like, that's still technically a child. Yeah, he's only de-aged, like, 10 to 11 years. Yeah, I feel like they're... Could have been more of like a, a juxtaposition in the ages because then I would have been like, oh, yeah, OK, I get that. He's like a 30 year old experienced like P.I., mm-hmm. but he's just a, like a high school detective. Yeah, this show very much like sort of posits high schoolers as like almost adult, which is what the world would want you to believe. But it's sure not true. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Real adults don't get poisoned and turned into children. Actually, that's also not true on this show. Oops. Spoilers. Uh, Where would Conan rather be instead today? Is this a bit? No, it's not a bit. He says it at the (laughs) beginning. It's the pop quiz. He'd rather be at Teton University's festival, which is where Ron and Kogoro are going. Right. They did mention that for like a second. Yeah. Yes. Genta is going to be it. And I like Conan's hiding spot that he finds. Yes. I'm excited to talk about that because that was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> Tell us about it. Where does he hide when Genta is up? So he's like complaining about playing with children and then immediately goes and hides on an old man who's reading a newspaper's lap, like behind the newspaper. Uh, and he's just sitting on the man's lap. Also, I is the man okay? Because he didn't flinch. <laughs> He's just in one of those deep old man sleeps. <laughs> yeah, like with his eyes open. Also, Conan pokes a hole through the newspaper. Like, that's rude. <laughs> like, he, oh. like wet, wets his finger. Yeah. Which also, like, I, unless it's a super thin paper or he's like on the first or last page, wouldn't work. Right. You didn't know he has acid spit? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun thing to watch. And the guy, And then the girl pops up behind him like it's not a big deal that he's hiding on this old man's lap. Like nothing is strange about this. <laughs> also, she's totally putting his hiding spot at risk. He, he does get caught there. Yes. And it's like, geez, that's just not polite. Right. They, this is the moment where that song is going to play. Oh, yeah, insert like in a, song that we were talking about. In a hot minute, yeah. First, they like look at the paper and notice like, oh, it's the cute girls getting kidnapped guy. Like, very weird specific thing where someone's kidnapping cute young girls and there's a whole like th- through line like, oh, I'm in trouble now because I'm a cute young girl, but you'll protect me because we're destined to be together. Like, very weird. Yeah. No, six-year-olds don't ever talk like this. <laughs> That is a weird part. It's not super weird for her to be into him in like a six-year-old crushing on another six-year-old because she thinks she's a Mm six-year-old. And he doesn't return it back, which is correct. (laughs) Yes. But also not how six, like, obviously, like, we have to suspend disbelief, but not how six-year-olds talk. She'd probably be like, ew, the old man smells. Like, that would be the whole conversation. (laughs) She'd go, like, it wouldn't be like, and we're destined to be together. Yeah. (laughs) Also... Genta and Mitsuhiko both apparently have crushes on Ayumi. Yeah, that was a, a weird thing where they were all like, like it was it was cute because then they all wanted to rescue her. But yeah, that was very strange that everybody was in love with her. And she just mm-hmm. wanted Conan. I felt so bad for Ayumi. She had a rough episode. I don't know if she usually does, but it was a rough episode for her. Mm-hmm. Occasionally. It's just a weird like take on a love triangle where both of the two actual six-year-old boys have a crush on Ayumi, who has a crush on Conan, who's secretly a high schooler. And of course, he's in love with Ron, who's not really in this episode. And she also is in love with him, but... But not as a six-year-old child. (laughs) Well, she doesn't know. It's not even a triangle. It's a weird, like... It's a love... I don't know. It extends in some direction we can't see. Maybe it's a... A love uh, diagram. 
<laughs> I love Diagram. <laughs> or I love Tesseract. How about that? <laughs> so, yeah, the thing about the kidnapper kidnapping people in the newspaper, to me, it's like reminiscent of any time on a TV show when they like walk past a TV and it's like, murderer just escaped from prison. And you're like, well, they're going to encounter this guy. In 10 seconds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the song, did you describe it when you talked about it earlier, the song that plays here? It's it's like a slow, sappy guitar. Yeah, it's like a bit of a ballad, which is weird because it's a six-year-old and a 16-year-old. Yeah, I felt like it didn't fit in anywhere, but especially there. They should have, like, if, they're, if they had to force it into the season to be like, we used the song on the signal, then they could have, like, a run... A Shinichi moment, but it's weird. Those are also weird. I liked the song. Okay, it it is just weird how it appears when it appears. And then there's this like super, super dramatic moment when his cover gets blown because like Genta lifts up the newspaper and finds him. And he's like, I thought I heard Ayumi nearby. And Conan um, covers for her in like the most dramatic way. She's like sneaking away and he's like, go, just go. Yeah. They've caught me, but it's it's too late for me. Just go. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that was very chivalrous of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just to circle back, because we emphasize Genta is the one of their group who is the one that likes food and in particular eel. Ayumi is the girl. Unfortunately, that's the main trait they give her. Mm-hmm. And Mitsuhiko, who has a crazy hiding spot, is this... Smart for a six-year-old one. Smart, nerdy child. The I was the smart one till you showed up person. <laughs> so do they have like a feud going on, him and Conan? Yeah. Mizuhiko is like jealous of him in that way of like, yeah, why'd you have to come? And now Ayumi looks at you instead of me. Got it. Typical six-year-old stuff. Like wanting to marry her like Mitsuhiko might. <laughs> what about his hiding spot? I don't remember where he hid because I was so focused on the old man lap on the newspaper. That was yeah. really, that stole it for me. Well, he was hiding behind a bush, but he had like two tiny trees oh, yeah. sticking out of his, je- his shirt. Mm-hmm. That's a common visual gag, especially in that era of anime. Just like the two, the hiding in a bush with the two twigs and holding them above your head. Yeah. I don't know what I the see. real origin of it is. That was an interesting thing. It looked like he had like football pads on, but they were made out of tree tree branches <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like did does does that make you less conspicuous or more conspicuous like just hide in a bush yeah just seeing someone's face popping out of a bush surrounded by these twigs I, yeah i feel like somebody might notice that just a shout out to people that listen to us covering detective academy q because this is the kind of disguise that um cactus sensei oh my god it's been so used. long since we talked about cactus sensei mm-hmm character on the other show who would disguise himself as like a cactus or a, a panda you know normal disguises well <laughs> no if we could just have a moment of silence while we think about cactus sensei and you can insert like a less than seven second long clip of music no like memories or something like that just so we can reminisce and then we'll come back i'll let everybody <laughs> play music off of their own spotify playlist okay fair use is tough Meanwhile, Ayumi is going around looking for a place to hide, and she comes across this guy. He's got long hairs and glasses. He's stomping out a cigarette. He has these like purple khaki pants and this lavender jacket, and later we see underneath his glasses, he has a big scar on his nose. Hmm, we just read something in the newspaper. Who could this guy be? Sounds like he looks very devious. I The whole time I was like screaming, literally screaming at the TV, no, no, no. Because I knew it was coming. 
I knew it. (laughs) Well, she notices that the trunk of his car is open and she ends up hiding inside. And when I was looking for this people for to to come on as guests for this episode, I was asking like, who's ever been in a trunk of a car? So that maybe gave you a hint that this was going to happen because the show tries to like later be like, oh, where is she hiding? Because they don't show her getting into the car. Yeah. It's almost supposed to be a surprise that she ended up hiding inside of it. I feel like it was fairly obvious to me, at least, because they showed the trunk of the car and then they showed her and she did like a thing like, aha, I have a great idea. And it was like, okay, we all know where this is headed. Yeah. (laughs) Now, what's your trunk of a car story? So I had a car a few years ago that was like a like a puke green two door (laughs) like Ford and it was terrible. And it was it was cheap. It was secondhand. So like a couple months after I got it, the trunk just like wouldn't open anymore. I don't know why. It just like closed it and one day it wouldn't open. And I took it to like a bunch of body shops and whatever and nobody could figure out how to open it. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to kind of roll with it. So I figured out that I could go in through my back seat um, and like open it from the inside. So I would do that and it was at like a time where I had just moved back home and I was traveling to see friends a lot. So I had like, I would pretty often use it and since it was a two door, it would just be easier to put things in the trunk. In my head, it was easier to crawl through my car and (laughs) open the trunk than it would be just to like put the seat down and put stuff in the back. So I had like an elaborate like bungee cord system hooked up to the handle inside the trunk and I would have it running through my car through the back seat and I would try to pull it and it almost never worked. So I would have to crawl through and open up the backseat and then crawl through the trunk and just like pop out and then I would open it and then put my, I would like prop it up. It was a whole thing. I would put my luggage or whatever in. So could you, you could open the trunk from inside? Yeah, I could open it from inside, but not from outside. The key just like wouldn't turn. But like every time I would do that. So I spent a lot of time like crawling in and out of my trunk and uh, (laughs) as you do, and I would do it like on the parked on the street outside of my mom's house and there would be people like walking their dogs or like babies or whatever. And I would just pop out of this bright green car (laughs) and it scared a lot of people. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, how many how long did that go on for? Like a couple of years? So probably for like nine months and then okay. I got it open and then it wouldn't close. So then I had to <laughs> use the bungee cords uh differently to hold it closed. <laughs> it was a mess. I finally got rid of the car, but yeah, trunk yeah. it just had a lot of trunk issues for some mm. reason. This is episode what, twelve slash thirteen of this show, and this is the second time Ayumi has been in the trunk of a car. <laughs> Poor Ayumi. So if she ever has a car with a busted uh, trunk she'll be fine she'll <laughs> yeah. know what to do yes unfortunately it opening from the inside or it being unable to close are the opposite problems from her problem in this episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> they yeah they can't find her they can't find her and then after a while they call her on the badge okay so first they see the the tall guy that we described before has been joined by a second guy a shorter guy with like frizzy hair a different kind of shades and I don't know, a suit, another different kind of suit jacket and stuff. And they get in the car and drive away. And eventually when they call Ayumi, we see her like waking up from a nap and she was underneath a blanket and she realized they all realize that she's in the car that had just driven away. And she finds two strange things in the back of this car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She finds a bloody like saw and a, uh, human head mm-hmm. no big deal and a hundred million yen oh yeah and the money which is like a million dollars mm-hmm. right yeah she found all of that fun stuff and she was 
I feel like surprisingly calm. Like she did freak out, but I don't know if I were in that situation. But yeah, not enough. You would just continuously scream, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She's already seen at least one dead body. <laughs> so she's she's a grizzled uh, professional now. She just has a severed head trapped in the same like five cubic feet space with me. Cool. But I also like this fake out when like she screams it's so loud that the two guys driving the car stop to go look in the trunk but they don't actually open the trunk because they've parked right next to an amusement park where there's like a big roller coaster and the roller coaster goes by and people scream and they're like oh that must be what we've heard it's that kind of thing that happens in tv shows where like oh i'm literally i've got it open an inch i'm just about to look oh it's nothing i'll close it instead of for my own satisfaction finish looking like any any other person would be like well i have opened it most of the way i'll finish opening it and look yeah because <laughs> I'll feel weird if I don't. Yeah, that was an odd choice. I also found it weird that they didn't realize they were driving by an amusement park. Like that was just a sudden revelation when he got out of the car. <laughs> like, oh, it's Six Flags, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a smallish ride. It wasn't, I don't think it was like a whole on roller coaster. It was more like just that kind of fair thing that loops and loops and loops. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know when you're approaching an amusement park because you see all the things. Right. <laughs> At about this moment is when they all put two and two together and realize, hey, someone has been killing children. She found a child's head in the back of the car. Maybe she is in the car of the kidnappers. Yeah. And I feel like at that point, it doesn't necessarily matter if she's in the car of the kidnappers. Like if she finds a head in a car, like that's that's still not good, no matter who it is, whether it's a one time (laughs) kid's head in a car or like a series of kidnappings like that's not good. That mm-hmm. is a good point. They're like specifically concerned when they put right. when they th- think of that, but it's like, yeah, it should just be concerning enough that there's a dismembered <laughs> head in the back of the right. car. Right. You didn't right. need someone who is going around doing things like that's enough of it. Like, oh, well, this person is. Maybe they've done it once. Maybe they've done it a bunch. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Super doesn't matter. Personally, I'm not afraid of people unless there's a manhunt mm. out for them. <laughs> that's fair. And like their crimes are publicized and known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not worth my time if they're not known for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this moment where they're trying to keep her calm. So they tell her not to cry and she s- instead starts laughing. Yeah, that was super weird. I I don't know. I feel like that's a quick transition. Like if someone told me just to think of something funny, but I'm in a small little trunk with a human head and a bloody saw, like I, I don't know that that would work very much but i guess she's six years old so maybe her brain is impressionable i don't know (laughs) some writer was like oh wouldn't she be traumatized right now and they were like well let's let's like half-ass her like uh, dealing with it and then moving on i think they just wanted to include this visual gag which is the thing that makes her crack out loud is that genta had fallen down the stairs and gotten two bumps which made him look like a bear (laughs) yeah again i don't know i don't think i would laugh that hard at that when there is that situation going on but yeah i don't know that was a weird choice the Mm. gag is also dependent on like the anime bumps that like stick all the way off of your head Mm -hmm. (laughs) those are yeah those are fun because you see those and you're like oh you should be dead or at least in the hospital if that happens (laughs) if it's that bad it's an anime universe where we can very concerned about the specifics of the human body like oh the time of death was this so rigor mortis should be this but also when you get a bump it gets all big and lumpy (laughs) (laughs) so conan is is like i'm i'm going to save you and everyone is like how are you going to get to her all you have is this skateboard you've been playing around with 
<laughs> but it's not just any skateboard. Nope, it's our second gadget. Introduction, the solar-powered turbo engine skateboard. <laughs> that was very cool. And that gave me like major Back to the Future, Doc Brown and Marty McFly type of vibes. Like, mm-hmm. And then I realized after like just beyond the skateboard, it was like, oh, yeah, that's that seems like this relationship. Like having no knowledge of those two, like, I got that kind of vibe from their relationship, which is fun. He's totally a Doc Brown. Yeah. Like 100%. <laughs> yeah. What's the catch with the skateboard? Uh, it's solar powered, right? So when the sun goes down, they can't use it anymore. So they have to find her before that. And there's only an hour until sunset. Which once again, stepping just very quickly into the inexplicable world of how energy works in these gadgets. Like yeah. if it's if it's solar powered to the point that it can only work while it's collecting sunlight, that's not enough energy to do the things it does as fast as it does it. And if it's got a battery that it's storing up, it would have to store up a crazy amount of time to do the things it does. Yeah. In its defense, it's only carrying children, although all three of them are going to jump on it. Yeah, like the easiest thing in the world, controlling a skateboard with two other people on it. Mm, Easy. I think in one (laughs) of the movies, they do a turbo-powered snowboard. (laughs) Which doesn't even make sense. Why not? (laughs) Because the snowboard's propulsion is gravity. It goes down. Yeah, but if you you could go uphill (laughs) with a turbo-powered, solar-powered snowboard, couldn't you? I feel like that would be very unwieldy. Like a snowmobile. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this guy is like, I don't know, his father should be Tony Hawk or something with, with how- Yeah, he had some skills. I couldn't tell if that was the skateboard or if that was all him. They have skills and they also have a lot of like pratfalls. It's very silly. I'm excited to go through all those little moments where they like crash into things and all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But another thing I like is just the detail of when the skateboard is powering up. And there's like waves of like, like a rocket is about to take off coming out from underneath the skateboard. This is not a safe toy for children. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Also, I will argue though, chasing a serial murderer is not a safe activity for children. (laughs) It's not a good idea. This is true. Kenta and Mitsuhiko insist on coming along. And Mitsuhiko's line is an absolute cringe. He's like, protecting women is a man's duty. Yep. I did not like that. Did not like that at all. But again, like you said, that's a that's an anime thing and it is super uncomfortable. <sighs> yeah, he's gonna grow up to be just fine. <laughs> well, he hasn't grown up yet and it's twenty years later. So. Yeah, I wish I could say there was far less uh chauvinism or uh sexism in modern anime, but mm, uh, <laughs> This is also an anime where like the one person that can handle themselves in a fight is Ron, who is a female high school student because she right. has karate training. So it's like you're already like you make make up your mind which side of this fence you're standing on. She's strong <laughs> enough to to punch through concrete, and yet here we are, and the six year old boy has to you know rescue everyone. Mm. Yeah, weird choice, very weird choice. They also said at one point, I think um, Conan said, "Girls don't make sense even at times like this," <laughs> and I was like, that- "Oh, that's not okay." That was when she started laughing. I mean, we agreed that she didn't make sense by laughing, but it wasn't because she's a girl. It's just right. because she right. was acting in a non- Because she's a weirdo, like everyone else on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are going to try to go to this specific intersection because there's like sounds of construction and the car is starting and stopping. Mm-hmm. His ability to like figure out where to go is pretty incredible. But as they leave the park, they speed off on this thing. And I don't know that. I don't know that I could have just not pointed out this moment, but they go past two girls 
<laughs> I did. Yeah. I, I forgot about this. I was looking at the note that I wrote down, and I didn't write any. I just went, yeah. So, <laughs> that's what that was. There's these two girls in skirts who get Marilyn Monroe as they go past, like they have to hold their skirts down. Mm-hmm. And it's not that terrible because, like, they effectively hold their skirts down, but it's also not necessary. Yeah, no, not at all. I feel like that is a a common uh, like anime visual. With those mm-hmm. kind of like the schoolgirls and whatever. And it was like, oh, let's just throw this in for fun. That was a very odd choice. They cause trouble for lots of lots of people while they are on this chase. <laughs> um, and, and most of it is not as cringy as that. Yeah. So leading into the commercial break, we hear some very concerning dialogue that they overhear from the men in the car. Um, they're like, there's no reason to kill her. Your her parents paid the ransom, and she's just a kid. And the other person's like, but she's seen our faces. We have to. Hmm. And Conan is like, I am going to save her. And then we go to commercial. Mm-hmm. And interpreting this, that means there's a third girl because they don't know about Ayumi, and the other ones already had her head cut off. So <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I had to rewind it because I was like, did I miss them seeing her face and and all that stuff? But nope, I did not. They just didn't. It's almost like to me, like they're all assuming that they somehow know she's in there, like because they stopped and investigated. So they're not sure. They might also think that like they deliberately took her and she just doesn't know. She fell asleep for a bit. So anything could have happened while she was asleep. Mm -hmm. Weird choice to like fall asleep in the trunk of a random car where you're (laughs) hiding. Children will fall asleep anywhere. Yeah. Was it a hot day? Like that also seems to be a concern. That's true. Oh, yeah. After the commercial break, they've made it to the spot, but but Ayumi and that car has moved. And it now seems like they're in a traffic jam trying to get onto a freeway. Also, four police cars go by. Pol- police cars are going by everywhere because the kidnappers have been spotted and the police are out to try to catch them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the one police officer that we know and recognize visually happens to drive past them in a car. <laughs> and they spot him. Small world, as always. <laughs> so is he somebody that comes up throughout the show like if we see him we know he's like established yeah okay uh, inspector megure uh he's yeah he's at m- most of the crime scenes that take place uh within their hometown which is a lot of them uh, it's very <laughs> frequent but he generally does tokyo murders he has appeared in 493 episodes and 23 movies which is a lot yes thanks detective conan wiki <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you, Detective Conan Wiki. His first name is Juzo, which became Joseph in English. I don't know if we've shared that yet. At this point, they go through an alley and like do a bowling thing with some trash bags and almost hit a cat. And then they also almost fall into a river. It was a lot what they were doing on that skateboard. I've, I don't know. I feel like they were spending too much time uh, trying to chase her and not entirely knowing where they were going. It was like they were going out of their way to get into hijinks. We're so excited to just have this solar-powered skateboard, yeah, and get into hijinks and draw all the chase. <laughs> and it's fun to watch. Like, yeah, it was t- it was tough doing notes for this one because, like, I look down to write notes and I come back and another big comical physical thing has, has just happened. Yeah, most of my notes are, like, very short, yeah. But basically, uh, there's we're to believe there's a checkpoint set up on Baker Bridge, uh, so they take off, but they don't go to Baker Bridge. They go to the one street that would take them away from Baker Bridge from where they were going. 
because if they're criminals, they wouldn't go through the checkpoint. Yeah, I found it. So I found it a little bit wild that, and I guess maybe he's just a very good detective. But again, the whole fact that he's a high school detective and not an elementary school detective, and there's not a huge difference in age there. (laughs) He knew so much. Regardless of the fact that you're not quite an adult there and it's only 10 years apart, like a high schooler would be way better at solving murders than an elementary schooler. Yeah. Think about the difference between uh, uh, the math you're doing in first grade, which is one plus one, and the math you're doing in like high school, which could even be pre-calculus. Yeah, so I agree with that. However, a (laughs) a 16-year-old is not like a grizzled police veteran. (laughs) No, you you don't have years of knowing every side street of the city like a seasoned cabbie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like he would hear something and be like, oh, I know exactly where that is. And I was like, how do you, how on earth would he know that? But he was very uh, impressive with that. So at the same time that they're staking out in this street that they've just happened to come up with, Mm -hmm. Ayumi stops responding. And they have all these theories about why, but eventually she comes through again and it turns out that she was probably in a tunnel and they passed right through the checkpoint, which confuses everyone a bit. Also, like how rigorous was that checkpoint? Because... She's in the trunk. <laughs> Where? What did you even do? They just saw the money and the head and they were like, oh, okay, that's fine. It's not a big deal, whatever. I think they knew exactly who the, I think they were looking for a specific looking person and these people di- didn't. They didn't look like the person? Yeah, these people didn't get stopped at the checkpoint. <gasps> what does that mean? So... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out in a second. They're just generally <laughs> confused by the the checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of defying physics, they go directly across the river mm-hmm. on the skateboard across yeah. the surface of the river. Yeah, I thought it was maybe part surfboard too, but I don't know how that would work. <laughs> well, I guess it's like you can skip a stone across a river and it's like a jet engine. So I guess if it has enough velocity, it could ride across the surface for a short burst. The top of a skateboard is very similar to a surfboard in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's probably too small to actually work. Yeah, especially with three kids on three it. Three children on it, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the wheels would cut through the water and just make it go, make it drop instantly. Yeah. I don't know. If, you, if you're if you a skateboard across the surface of the water qualified specialist, I don't know who that would be. <laughs> I don't know who that would be. But email us and let us know if we're wrong or right. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, there are two of two of the things we've really enjoyed so far in this episode that happened simultaneously. So the first is that Conan also knows something just instantaneously, which is th- they hear that the gas station they're at has a masked GI bug giveaway where they're giving away promotional materials for this TV show, and he knows exactly which gas station it is. And they happen to have just driven by that gas station a second <laughs> ago on their skateboard. Mm-hmm. This is it's nice coincidence. Maybe not the first mention of it, but uh, Kamen Yaiba or Masked Yaiba is a riff off of Kamen Rida or Kamen Rider or Masked Rider. Very common Japanese children's action uh, series about a guy with a bug face helmet on a motorcycle, kind of like Power Rangers. That sounds fun. But now that they've spotted the car, we're going to do a car chase, car slash skateboard chase. <laughs> a lot of fun antics all at once there's just so much going on like i like you said i couldn't take notes i was pausing it so often because there was just (laughs) so much and it was so fast (laughs) so fun too uh Mm -hmm. the music that plays at this point is the conan's theme boku gairu the instrumental version Mm -hmm. 
uh, jazzy and all that. And he throws a cannon, hits the back of the trunk. And Ayumi is like, I heard that. Did What was that? So they know that she's definitely in the trunk of this car that they're coming behind. At this point, the three, the two guys notice the children, three children riding on a skateboard without touching the ground with their feet are actively chasing their car, moving at this velocity of a car. And <laughs> instead of going, wow, weird, I'll stop and check this out. They go, oh, hit the floor. Like, let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> This was a standout moment of the episode for me because their reaction is like, oh, it's what's that behind us? It's just kids playing pranks. <laughs> yeah. Is that a common thing in Japan that kids <laughs> are just like chasing cars on skateboards? On skateboards that can go that fast. Yeah. It's not the correct reaction to the situation. No. Not <laughs> like, at all. What the f- <laughs> And another thing is that they like do a swerve, which causes her to find the head and she screams so loud she alerts everybody to her presence and also passes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that weird that she had a bigger reaction the second time than she did the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very, very strange. <laughs> you know, it's that it's um, it's that classic thing of something is always scarier. A horror movie is always scarier the second time you watch it. They probably just didn't want to have to keep drawing her getting tossed back and forth. So they were like, have her pass out so we don't have to worry about her during this action chase. Yeah. <laughs> Take her out of the equation. <laughs> yeah, because a lot, a lot of stuff happens. Oh, my gosh. The skateboard is starting to lose power because the sun is setting. Mm-hmm. And so they take a man's hose, like a water hose, and they grab onto a truck, which pulls them far enough so that they're right next to the car. Mm-hmm. They have the hose in a loop, and they throw it over the side view mirror so that they are now going to like trail on the side of the car. Uh, for fans of 1990s uh, Sega Genesis games, this activity is known as skitchin', uh, and that is when you ride on the back of a vehicle with a skateboard. Continue. <laughs> is that true? Yes. Does your roller skating hobby include uh, riding on the back of things? Constantly. That's how I learned. <laughs> Not at all, but I did play roller derby, and that is actually a thing where you like grab your teammates' hips and use it to like propel yourself. Ooh, fun. It's called a whip, so it is a thing. Seems a lot less dangerous if you're doing that off a person. In the new Harley Quinn movie, she has rollerblades for the final fight scene and skitches off the back of a motorcycle briefly. Mm -hmm. It's effective. I assume. I don't know. I've never done it on something that goes over like maybe two miles an hour. I feel like the (laughs) wheels would just melt. (laughs) And then they knock a delivery guy off of his bike. Mm -hmm. The noodles went everywhere. (laughs) For this one, I just wrote down, sorry, bus face, which I think is when they rode up on the side of a bus and a guy was looking out the window. So they rode on his face, if I'm remembering correctly. (laughs) (laughs) But that was one of my fast notes. Just sorry, bus face. What what else is happening? There's a sharp (laughs) turn and they end up going with the skateboard horizontal along the side of a moving bus. Very easy trick to do, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they wreaked a lot of havoc. Again, they had some pretty mad skills on that skateboard, especially like all three of them, I feel like had to be in sync and know exactly what they were doing. <laughs> but they're also just kind of like flopping about. Like the one in behind, it, his, like he's like flying in the air because this thing is moving so fast. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very fun to watch. But also there were a lot of like, what is happening moments. <laughs> this is textbook anime. I mean, this is this is not something that's going to happen in a live action 80s TV show, but it should. Uh, yeah, I wish it would. 
Conan's hands are starting to give out from holding onto this rope. It's uh, shocking this didn't happen sooner. Right. His little six-year-old hands. But Genta takes over, grabs it, and like yanks them forward. But it's just at the same moment that the car stops. So everybody like clonks into the car. <laughs> yeah, they made it pretty obvious. They made their presence known as if it wasn't already, though, with the hose at this point. And I feel like at one point they said, uh, like, pull over or I'm going to have to do this. And there was no warning. And he immediately like puts the hose on the car. And it was just like, oh, okay, you're not even trying to be subtle anymore. Like, here we are. This is happening. <laughs> they got up close enough to like shout in the guy's window. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. who doesn't stop at this point? <laughs> a group of six-year-olds on a skateboard are trying to attach themselves to your car and made their presence known. Stop your vehicle. <laughs> they have a very important reason for driving very fast. Well, at this point, we also, like, for all we know, they are the murderers. So yeah. at this point, if you are a murderer, you would probably, I mean, even if you weren't, you would probably stop. But if you see all this going on, like, you would probably want to not make a spectacle of yourself. Right. Yeah, you need to stop so that you can get rid of the kids attached to your car <laughs> and then and then make a getaway. Right. They get Ayumi out of the trunk and they're like confronting these two men. There's a guy standing nearby who's just like parked his motorcycle and is holding his helmet. He doesn't he's just a lot of innocent bystanders that they've collided with today. <laughs> and he pulls out another one of his gadgets that we've seen before, his superpowered kick shoes. Oh, yeah. Did you have any idea what was happening at this point? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. No, we didn't explain this gadget. So uh, when Shinichi was a high school age person, he played soccer so that he could develop the physical uh, skills necessary to be a detective. That's a necessary <laughs> backstory to repeat. Basically, he's like a soccer ace uh, high school person who has been reduced to a child with little... Uh, wobbly noodle legs so the professor gave him uh sneakers that stimulate his muscles to make him kick way too strong okay so yeah he turns on his shoes and he kicks the guy the motorcycle guy's helmet out of his hands it bounces off of the car and clonks the short guy in the head knocking him over Mm. to which i say what would happen to his face if it didn't bounce off the car first and just hit him (laughs) yeah he'd be dead (laughs) yeah at this point, the other theme music starts playing, the main Detective Conan theme music from all the movies and all that, which is pretty jazzy. It's how I described the other song, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It was the same the way you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree, though. I would say it's jazzy. Mm-hmm. And they're like shouting at the guys and they're like, you're the kidnappers. Well, you, we heard what you were saying. We saw the stuff in your trunk. And this is when we see things for what they really are. Mm-hmm. What what happens when the stuff comes out of the trunk and like now we can see it in, and it's not in a dark closed trunk? Uh, it is all props and they're actors in a play and they're <laughs> rushing to get to their, their play. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, none of it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't a giant coincidence that they learned about these this kidnapper and then immediately ran into them. Instead, it's a big coincidence that these are the actors in the play that Ron and Kogoro went to see at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the episode, we didn't know that the university festival included a mystery play. We just knew they were doing a festival. But now Conan remembers that they were specifically going to see a mystery play at the festival. <laughs> yeah, but even then, if he had remembered that, like, I feel like I wouldn't make that connection if my friend were stuck in a trunk of a car. That wouldn't be the first thing I think of. Right. Yeah, she she would need to be able to know they were props. And she was she was reasonably freaked out. And it was dark inside of a trunk. And also, she's six. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your only source of information is a six-year-old. <laughs> 
if they had kept going and they're like, there's also a change of clothes and there's two scripts for some kind of play <laughs> and there's uh, two bouquets of flowers. And, you know, like, then you start to go, hmm. Oh, yeah, classic. The actors that give themselves bouquets of flowers. They've perceived them from last night's performance. <laughs> and they just threw them in the trunk. How disrespectful. I like to think they were giving them to each other. Aw. That's the true love story in this episode. <laughs> two guys. Mm-hmm. Another big coincidence is that uh, the police car with Megarig drives by and the captured killer is inside. Drive directly past them. These two moments when we saw Megarig in the car weren't in the manga. They added them just for the anime episodes, as they often do with this coincidental stuff. But there's a problem because one guy is now too injured to perform. And this is probably my second favorite comedic moment of the episode is when they try to make a, a quick getaway. Oh, well, this is the, the post credit scene that you... Well, yeah, but not, not that yet because the guy's like, oh, no, he's too injured to perform. And they're like, well, it was nice meeting you, is what Conan says. And the four of them like just turn and start to slowly walk <laughs> away. They like They probably caused probably a few thousand dollars worth of damage in the city and they're just like okay bye <laughs> and this guy is like on the ground probably very seriously injured well they specifically went as far to say that he has a giant lump on his head back to the giant lumps on the head and a broken neck which <laughs> oh, yeah. is wild <laughs> just you lightly can die broken. from that <laughs> just, just like a little broken just a little bit of a break <laughs> but he can't perform he can't perform in the play and right we did it we didn't tell you about the post credit scene so uh we'll have to tell you about it mm-hmm. um and you, and you can also check that out cuz it's just it's just a fun little button on the episode mm-hmm. okay so at the mystery play Ron and Kogoro are in the audience and Ron's like distracted by one of the actors who can't quote can't stand up straight and keeps blowing his lines also completely unneeded Kogoro is just hitting on a, a female audience member. Doesn't doesn't contribute anything. It's just creepy. It's good you didn't catch that. He's like just during the play openly talking and trying to pick someone up and his daughter has to elbow him on the top of his head to stop him. No. Yeah. Gross. Which is like this I this this recurring thing in anime. It's a big part of City Hunter, which is like characters being pervy and then their female character that's like a friend or a relative that has to hit him. Yeah, uh, like whacking them with a hammer or hitting them in the head to stop them. You know how men get when they just start perving out and you have to hit them with a the hammer. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's just men. They they do that a lot in Dragon Ball too with one of the uh, pervy old man characters. They'll just like pull out a frying pan and bop him in the head when he's creeping on someone. It's just mm-hmm. a normal solution. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the hitting the person in the head isn't the part of it. That's the problem. <laughs> 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 it's yeah. like why do the gag in the first place but michael who is the weird actor that has appeared on stage why it's three kids in a trench coat <laughs> conan has like the fake mustache and sh- sunglasses on and he's on top of mitsuhiko's shoulders on top of genta's shoulders and genta is reading the lines off the script inside of the trench coat and this is their payment um but ayumi also has to participate mm-hmm they have hidden her inside of a bag so that they could pretend that she is the decapitated head. Wow. One would argue nothing happened to the head and it could just be used, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Poor Ayumi. Why does she keep getting put inside of different things? Well, she's small. Also, how heavy would that shopping bag be with a six-year-old in it? Yeah. 
six-year-old heavy. Just casually, like, oh, it's a severed head. Boof. <laughs> <laughs> so they pulled a Muppet man, essentially, and just did the play, and they were reading off of the script. Mm-hmm. Yep, like you do. Because the kids caused the trouble, they had to help be the solution. That's fair. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it. That's that's the that's the mystery. That's all they ever made. So before you were saying that you were kind of surprised by the ending, and that's really exciting. One of the things I don't know if we've said this explicitly, but one of the reasons we like bringing on guests is because we've seen a lot of this stuff before. Detective Conan, in particular, we have watched stuff that we haven't seen before. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I see. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Was that confusing? Do I need to say it again? No, I, I get it. Detective Conan in particular, we have seen before. Other things that we've covered, like some of the newer anime we did a, a couple months ago, we haven't seen mm. before. But with the stuff like this, it's like, it's hard at this point to say how exciting it is or if we would guess because we're like well we already know how it's going to turn out mm-hmm. so what was that like for you and you know what would what did you think was happening and how did that go yeah i was super surprised by the end i did not expect that like like we said it took a very dark turn when she found the human head so i was half expecting the whole episode to be like pretty gruesome so it was a nice it was a very pleasant surprise i was really happy that there was none of that <laughs> it was super unexpected and then it was like almost like it made me think of like scooby-doo a little bit in in kind of like a different weird roundabout way but it was just like oh these silly kids ruining everything but yeah i thought it was fun i was happy with how it turned out and i i really wish i had seen that uh ending credit scene because it sounds delightful (laughs) it's pretty silly yeah, Scooby-Doo is a good comparison. So they do a different kinds of episodes on the show, but when like they team up as the detective boys and it focuses on the kids, it definitely gets that bit, that kind of vibe, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun hijinks. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. So Genta is the shaggy. and <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I'm going to stop having you listen to our podcast episodes to check them for me <laughs> if you're just going to keep bringing back jokes that other podcast guests have made on previous episodes it's called a callback noah <laughs> well i'll call you back after we're done recording how dare you pledge to call me how can i ever make it up to you michael do you want to ask do you want to ask a question about our experience of the episode instead of me as a way for me to make it up to you uh nope <laughs> you know the sorts of things i usually ask at this point nope it's all you you're the host okay well you lost her. You missed your only chance. <laughs> what about like, I, there weren't a lot of clues necessarily in this one. Did you feel like there were clues to latch onto or like different things that that were foreshadowed that came back later? I mean, the so the foreshadowing, there was definitely like in the beginning where they mentioned going to the, the like the festival or whatever at the college. Yeah. So that was a fun little callback at the end. But it's not like that was enough information to figure out what was going on. Oh, no, it absolutely was not. But then once I heard it, I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. I see how they got there. The clues were um, pretty much, there weren't a whole lot, right? It was just pretty much like the things that he heard when she was talking. Because this wasn't like solving a murder, it wasn't like they dropped the clues and then at the end explained how they fit them together. It was more, it's like the misinterpretation of clues. So it's like... They were talking about this, but they were actually doing their lines. We found the head, but it was actually a prop sort of thing. I think the biggest quote unquote hint is probably that they go through the checkpoint, despite the fact that they're looking for yeah. a criminal. 
No, definitely. And everything that was happening was fairly believable. Like I see, again, they're six years old. So like, yeah, of course they would think that she was being captured by murderers. But I can see why they would think that because like rehearsing those specific lines in the car is a weird choice. (laughs) No one else is there with you. You can say whatever you want in the privacy of your car. I guess. I don't know. I would be mindful of that, especially at this point, they think that there's maybe something happening in the trunk, but again, they didn't check. So like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they could have just, he, he could have just crawled back while the tr- car was moving and opened the trunk from the inside to look. Exactly. <laughs> it works. Would you watch more episodes of this? How'd you feel about it overall? I would. I'm super intrigued now by everything that you guys have said. It, it was a lot of fun. Like mm. it was definitely fun to watch. I'm not super into anime, but I do like the whole kind of like anime formula I guess you could call not I don't know not a formula but they all kind of like have similar things that they hit on and this was a lot of fun so I feel like yeah I would watch more well good news you were concerned about how having to get like really into anime to watch anime and we assured you there were shorter series that you could watch so you didn't have to this is uh, over a thousand episodes long right. <laughs> it's still going yeah. <laughs> but not all of those are accessible in the o- US. over 20 movies like <laughs> Um, ding, ding, ding. Michael, can you ring the bell? Wasn't that the bell? Didn't it just ring? <laughs> so it did. It's time for Wiki Trivia, <laughs> where I look at the very well-managed Detective Conan One Truth Prevails wiki that some folks have made and see if there's any interesting trivia. So this this is a small change from the manga to the anime, but... In the manga, they had actually already used their Detective Boys badges, and so they didn't need to introduce them in this case. Mm. I think maybe they rearranged the order that they did these cases in, and so they changed that. And I already mentioned that Inspector Megare isn't even in the uh, manga version of this story. Did anybody know what kind of car the kidnappers were driving? Because I can tell you. I did not, but I'd love to know. It was a white Toyota Crown S140. Okay. The other thing here is that they say this is the first episode of the show where there's no actual crime going on and there's no culprit going on in the main. One would argue a lot of the things they did on the skateboard were crimes. One would make that (laughs) argument. (laughs) Well, no murder, no kidnapping, Mm -hmm. all all things that have been present in most other episodes. Mm-hmm. Is it technically still kidnapping, though, even though they didn't know that she was in the trunk? Is that I don't know if that counts because they did technically kidnap her. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I don't think they would be found guilty in court. Right. Because she did it, not them. Right. Yeah, probably. Criminal negligence. It's not like we expect that you look in your trunk every time before you start your car just in case a kid had cl- crawled in like well now i'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) i think they're probably fine yeah that's fair they maybe endangered the kids when the kids were attached to their car and they didn't immediately pull over (laughs) like if the kids had gotten hurt they could maybe be liable for that Mm. yeah that's true i don't have enough legal knowledge but there were a lot of things where i thought that somebody was (laughs) gonna have to pay for something (laughs) yeah fortunately um Nobody knows who his real parents are because he's not a real child, so he can't be held accountable. <laughs> That's great. Are you a lawyer and want to comment on the legal issues raised in this episode? You can send us an email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. 
<laughs> Please do not invoice us for that legal advice. <laughs> so, Fran, thank you so much for watching this episode and coming on to join us today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, this 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 part this part of the show is just so fun. And in fact, Detective Conan is so fun, we won't be covering it for the next two weeks. <laughs> it's so much fun, we're stopping. The next episode of the show is the Strange Person Murder, Strange Person Hunt Murder Case. Um, the next Conan hint for that is 100 million yen. So remember that because we'll be coming back to that in three weeks from now. But first, we have something else we're super excited about, which is this year's uh, edition of Dying Message Challenge, the Inugami Curse. Dying Message Challenge is our competitive book club. This year, we are reading The Inugami Curse by Sishi Yokomizu. Michael is competing. Kate, who competed last year, and Sam Abrams, who has been on our show before, are all trying to figure out the ending to the murder mystery in this book without having read it. And they're also competing in a variety of silly comedy challenges that I set out for them. If you know of the Kendaichi Case Files anime and manga, um, those are inspired by these series of books. The Inugami Curse is one of the Kosuke Kendaichi mysteries from the 1940s, and it's a relatively new translation. So we're really excited that we got to cover that. Michael, anything you want to tease because you were there when we recorded that? Uh, no, it made me read a book. I said that already. <laughs> <laughs> and... Thank you to everybody who's listening. We really appreciate your support. You can connect with us on social media, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter, and also on Instagram. And um, I have started occasionally making GIFs, 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 out of some of the fun stuff that goes on in the episode. So definitely connect with us on social media and catch up on those. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way you can help spread the word about the podcast. And also wherever you listen to the podcast, if you want to follow us or subscribe, that also will help us out a bit. Do send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Within reason, we will read it on the show. If it is a visual image, because we know that Michael has been just waiting for fan fiction, fan art, fan art mm-hmm, is the pictures, mm-hmm. uh, we will describe it and maybe share it on social media. Again, within reason. and. Um, we all can go back and go about our days, except there's something going on on my walls. Why is there so much blood on the walls of my apartment? Help, Fran. Can you solve the mystery of the bloodstained apartment? Yeah, it's a dog. So <laughs> do you want me to tell my story? Yeah, tell yeah. us the story. What what happened? Okay, so that sounded bad, uh, it being a dog. So basically, <laughs> my apartment has white walls. And a few months ago, we noticed kind of like a little like, reddish brownish stain on it and on one of the walls in our bedroom and it was a little weird but we were like whatever maybe we bumped into it while we were moving and then we noticed more kind of around like the living room and they were straight up it kind of looked like red crayon but it was like a splatter and I kind of started freaking out and then we saw more I saw some on like the oven and it got really weird to the point where they were just kind of everywhere in like a two-week time period And so I'm like Googling all these things. I was Googling like termites or like, I don't know, weird bugs that could be leaving those stains. And it wasn't that. And then I was Googling all these like paranormal things because I was like, it has to be a ghost. There's no other explanation. (laughs) And at the time I was watching a lot of like true crime on Netflix. Like I was watching um, the series about the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. So I was very freaked out and I looked through all the closets and under the beds and every little corner where I thought someone could be hiding and I was convinced like convinced that there was something 
horrible going on. And then I uh, I looked it up more and I saw some things like some forums where people were like, oh, it could be a dog. Like, is it dog like height? And it was the exact height of my dog. I have a border collie. And then I looked and he had like a little nosebleed because he has allergies. And so he was shaking his head. And every time he shook his head, a little bit of blood <laughs> went on the wall. And I actually saw him do it once. So I was very relieved. And I felt like a maniac because I genuinely thought that there was somebody like in my apartment. Or a ghost. I don't know why a ghost would leave blood on the walls, but... <laughs> As a warning. As a gift. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I like to imagine that before you decided for sure it was your dog, you, like, tried to recreate it by, you know, like, getting a fake dog's head and putting just a little bit of blood and doing the blood spatter. Like, they always, like, try to recreate blood spatter. <laughs> yeah. Like, like on Dexter or something. I had everything yeah. all organized. That would have been great. Next time I find mysterious stains on my walls, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I I understand like searching closets and stuff and, and being paranoid, but were you like maybe there's someone like living in the wall and they're coming out and smearing their bloody <laughs> tissues and going and hiding? <laughs> I don't know. I okay, so I like I said I was watching a lot of true crime. I also yeah. had I think my daughter was like three months old at the time so I wasn't sleeping a whole lot and I was home with her all the time I hadn't started work yet so there were a lot of factors but yeah <laughs> I kind of thought that somebody was maybe just like living in the closet and doing like maybe messing with me like maybe a funny murderer trying to just play tricks on me that makes sense someone <laughs> could just make random blood stains to mess with you I would probably do that. And I posted in a Facebook group that I'm in and there were a couple people that were like, oh, a friend of mine or a cousin of mine had somebody living in their garage and they didn't even know. So that freaked me out even Oof. more. Yeah. Ooh, that's no good. No, apparently it's a thing. So I don't think I was too out of line to think that. No, it, it is It is pretty baffling to think about. Yeah. Apparently it can happen with dogs. Didn't know that. So if you have a dog and you find random blood stains in your house, check your dog's nose. Did you ever think of trying to like teach your dog art so that you could get like artistic blood stains on the walls? No, but no, that's uh, a great idea. I could start an Etsy store. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Put up like canvases. <laughs> My dog's nose blood. People w would buy that. It's Yeah. It's a little bit grim. I could just put paint on my dog's nose and have yeah, them do different please colors. Please do that one. Yeah. That's probably, <laughs> that's probably better. <laughs> I think a little cruel, but people would probably buy that more. <laughs> was there something you could do to help the dog out, like allergy medicine, or did you just have to teach it not to nose on the wall? <laughs> yeah, I taught him to just shake his head in the middle of the room so it didn't get on the wall. No, we <laughs> we took him to the vet because he gets like I knew he had allergies. He gets uh he gets a shot for them every three months, but I was a little bit behind on taking him to get his shot. But I didn't know dogs could get nosebleeds. That was mm. news to me. So apparently they can. But yeah, he got his shots and now he's all good and there's no more blood until he gets allergies again. I think it's important that we got to that part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dog is not still like shaking his head and having blood all over the walls. My apartment is just red now. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to say anything. You know, we're on a video call and then I just thought it would be rude to, <laughs> to ask about your bloody walls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trend here in New Jersey. I mean, my wall's all red. That's brick, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. 
episode 44, in which we teach a dog to make art. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Fran Fortunato. Coming up. What is the terrible secret in Sahe Unogami's will? Why does Kosuke Kendaichi have such a dry scalp? Who will be the winner of this year's Dying Message Challenge? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The Dying Message. Can y'all hear that? Yeah. Oh, is that happening where you are, Michael? Through that wall? There's some talking coming from below, okay, yeah. Okay, well. Oh, coming from below, from the stairwell? Our bedroom's above the stairwell. It's gotta be below, yeah. So it's gotta be temporary, right? Yeah. <laughs> Our recording studio above a stairwell. 